Hi everyone and welcome to another episode Around the Fire on Spirit Reflections. My name is Fred Govea and if this is your first time here, Spirit Reflections is an ongoing series of bilingual conversations in English and Portuguese about people's personal and spiritual journeys, the tools that they found along the way and how these tools shaped who they are and the work that they do today. We interview artists, philosophers, scientists, and religious people of all backgrounds to discover more about their journey and in the process, learn a little bit about ourselves. So I invite you to like and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. It's free to do so and it really helps us to expand. And if you like what you see here, drop your comments below, suggest this to your friends, and I invite you to join our newsletter on spiritreflections.org and there you can be on the loop for all of our upcoming events, our conversations, and you can even suggest topics or guests that you'd like. So, my guest today, I'm really excited to talk to her around the fire about her, her amazing journey. Her name is Lillian Colon or Lily Colon. I'm going to read her bio here so that we can have this recorded and register for posterity. Lillian is a veteran dancer and she's been in the entertainment industry since the age of 16. She currently teaches jazz in New York City and among her many accomplishments in the dance world, Lillian is the very first Latina Radio City Music, music Hall Rockette and she was honored by the newspaper El Diario in 1997 as the Puerto Rican Woman of the Year. She's appeared as a guest of honor and a godmother in three Puerto Rican Day Parades in New York City, which was such a great time. I love those days. She graduated from the High School of Performing Arts and she became one of the lead dancers for the 61st Academy Awards show. She's toured extensively, including in Mexico, having appeared in movies. And she was also, when she returned uh, to the U.S. from Mexico, she became a dancer and assistant choreographer with the famous group Menudo ultimately replacing Miguel Gons as their choreographer. A highlight of her career was having the opportunity to perform in Can Can with one of her idols, Chita Rivera. And this experience introduced Lily to Alan Johnson, once one of the entertainment's most talented choreographers. And among the many well-known choreographers, Lily also worked with Joe Layton, Donald McHale, and with the famed Michael Bennett in the 10th anniversary of A Chorus Line. All of this led her dancing to one of the great stages of the world where she's always dreamed of, the New York City Radio City Music Hall as a rockette in the Christmas Spectacular and as the very first Latina rockette. Lillian currently lives in New York City with her husband Carlos and their daughter Roxanne and all of this tonight was really made possible thanks to our having met in a teacup maroon which I'm going to tell you a little bit more about, and it's also in the description below, but we're going to talk about that. And tonight, if you're watching this live, you'll have a chance to enter the drawing to win a copy of Lily's book. We're going to tell you more about that. But before I get ahead of myself, let's invite our guest here around the fire on Spirit Reflections. Lillian, good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. Lily, let's get right to it. We always like to start asking our guests about first their personal and spiritual journey. So that way, once we start talking about the dance world, the entertainment world, and the actual process of your book, people will have already gotten a taste of Lillian, the spirit, the soul, the stamina, the grit, the human being behind Lillian. So where would you like to start? 
Oh boy. Well, spiritually, when I went to my father, always before I, I left for the orphanage, I, I would always see my father reading the Bible. And um, we always had to be very quiet when he read. And um, but my I never knew exactly what he was doing at the time. But when I went to the orphanage, it was a Catholic orphanage run by the Franciscan nuns. There was 22 Franciscan nuns and two priests. And that's where my spiritual journey began. Um, it was very Catholic, very regimented uh, mass every Sunday. And of course, during the Easter season, more mass. And <laughs> every Friday, every good, every Friday we would be um, there for Good Friday, especially was a big Got day it. for us in the orphanage. Um, and um, I continued my spiritual journey there. Got it. You mentioned in the beginning of your chat just now, Lily, that you were taken to the orphanage at 16, right? Uh, no, I was taken to the orphanage at three. At three. Okay. Tell us how, yes. what was behind that? I'm curious. Um, well, my father put my mother in a mental institution and then um, she, and then he proceeded to put me and my brother into this Catholic orphanage. And uh, my brother, my oldest brother, Abraham, was um, had no place to go. He was kicked out by my father out of, out of the house. So my father basically just got rid of, disbanded the whole family. And um, he, uh, my brother Abraham, with nothing, nowhere to go, enlisted in the army because he was about to be drafted anyway and oh. went to Vietnam and, um, and never came back. Oh, wow. That must have been really tough. <laughs> that was uh, my inspiration. I saw how he, um, he went to, to fight for his country knowing that he would not come back. And his strength gave me the strength to fight for my own life. Got it. And had you ever met your mother? I, I did meet her once when I was a child. I went, they took me to the mental institution to meet her. And um, that was the only time I saw her. And then uh, my brother Abraham asked me before he went to Vietnam if I would see her when I got older. And I made that promise to him that I would. And so I saw her once again at the age of 23. And she was still at the same place? She was, um, my brother had come home and, and taken her out of the mental institution. And my father put her back in once Abraham went back to the war. And then my uh, brother came home again and sent her, took her out and sent her to Puerto Rico. So I went to Puerto Rico to see her. Got it, got it, got it. And how was that experience at 23, seeing your mom in Puerto Rico for the second time? Uh, it, um, it was hard to see her like that. Um, I, I just saw the love in her eyes, but um, not sure if she really knew it was me. She knew my name, that she called me Lily. She didn't call me Lily, and she called me Lily. That's why I named the book Lily. Uh -huh. And um, so she knew that there was a Lily, and I'm not sure if she knew it was me. But um, it, was, it was hard to see her, but I was glad that I had fulfilled that promise to my brother Abraham. It's beautiful. Uh, it, it really must be empowering because in the back cover of your book, I was really struck by this moment that you take us when you are center stage for the first time at Radio City Music Hall. And you'd say, I'm here, mom, right? Aquí estoy, mommy. 
That's um, that's a hard part. <laughs> that one line kills me every time. Um, I just wanted her to know that um, that everything is okay. That I had made it, um, although I'm still trying to make it. <laughs> um, but that I that I that I was okay, and that I wanted her to rest in peace. Yeah, it's it's such a beautiful way to honor the legacy of your father and mother who who have put you in the world and by giving you life and you making the life that you made is such a beautiful tribute to them, you know, that it's, it's really nice that you've made that tribute in the back of your book also. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, especially to her. She was, I think she suffered so much. And I thought that, um, I just wanted her to know that I'm here and, um, and all my blessings go to everything that she thought about me. Just her saying Lily meant so much to me. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, it reverberates in every cell of your body to this day, I'm sure, <laughs> spiritually, when, yeah, when the memory comes up. I want to just let people know how they can enter the drawing to win a copy of Lily's book. You can go to www.spiritreflections.org slash contact us, and there you can fill out the form to subscribe to our newsletter. And we're going to be... Uh, doing a random drawing of a number we're going to pick and you'll get a chance to receive Lily's book in the mail, a copy to your home address. So make sure you go there and do that. I'm going to just remove that screen. And Lily, another thing that I don't want to forget is talk about teacup. Uh, tell us what your experience was like at teacup. And for those that don't know what teacup is about, this is the information here, everybody. It's an amazing new app that allows people to have very intimate conversations in rooms of up to eight people where they can really share their knowledge, their wisdom, talk about various topics, just like having tea around the table. And I was invited to be a tea master, as they call it, to talk about spirituality, mediumship. And I had such a great time talking to people there, learning about people there. And one of the other tea masters that was present at the inaugural weekend was Lillian. And when I heard about her story, I said, oh, my God, I have to talk to her around the fire on spirit reflections. So how was that experience since we're on the teacup topic? Oh, it was it, it was so inspiring. In fact, I wanted it to go another hour. I was ready to keep talking. Yeah. Um, there was so such wonderful questions. I always get very different questions from everybody. So it's interesting to see what part of my life uh, they're interested in. And it's um, it's different for everybody. So I could have stayed on that app forever and, and in that tea room. What a wonderful concept that they use there. Um, yeah. They use their heritage to be able yes. to build this app. I thought that that was beautiful. Um, yeah. I loved it's it. A, I, I really enjoyed it's it. It's a and nice like way to, to make sure it's intimate and that people are able to constantly go there to. And the fact that it's in audio format only allows you to multitask in the kitchen and, and you know, and still be able to tune in to a really engaging conversation. So I hope that we have many more tea tea cups, tea rooms to uh, enjoy. All right, let's go back to the time that you're telling us in the Catholic upbringing of the masses on Eastern Sundays. So that was your first sort of spiritual uh, intake, if you will, right? Yes, that was my first one. That's where I learned, 
you know, the Bible and, and, and all the aspects of Catholic life. Got it. And how did that or other spiritual practices or insights help you in the next stage of your life from that point on? So after you left, left the orphanage at 16, where does Lily go from there? I left the orphanage at 18. Oh, so okay. I was, I was there 15 years. Um, spiritual, thank God I had that spiritual um, information because that's what guided me throughout my life. Um, when I left the orphanage, um, I realized once those gates closed behind me that I was in a different world from where I had lived all my life. And um, it wasn't quite the same on the outside of the gates as to the inside of the gates. So I had to find my way. And the only way that I had was to uh, to look up to God and, and hope that he would carry me. And um, he has carried me this whole way because I, um, I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I spoke with him and I asked him to to lift me as he says that he will carry you if uh, you can't carry any if you can't Beautiful. walk your own steps then god will carry you and so therefore um he did he carried me in many many Absolutely. different ways you know lily my father for a time was also put in an orphanage and i never really had a chance to ask him and talk to him about it so I'm wondering if there's any way you can give us a sense of what was life like for those 15 years there. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, it's institutional life. That's for sure. Um, I was blessed to have the Catholic upbringing. That's where I was really guided and was able to hold on to um, being the best person that I could be and realizing what was wrong and what was right. Um, it, um, you know, it was run by nuns. There, there was a couple of nuns that were not very nice. Right. <laughs> that, <laughs> that um, there was a lot of beatings, of course, uh, but there was also beautiful things about it. They were beautiful. The Mother Superior was absolutely wonderful. And a few of the other nuns, Sister Wilhelmine or Sister Bernadine, they all guided me and guided all of us. Uh, so I was happy to have that, but I also did see uh, the physical abuse. I felt the physical abuse and, and how, um, how sometimes um, even in such a pure orphanage as, as it was, there was, still, there was still that ugly part of it that, right. wasn't, uh, that was hard to handle, but could not do anything about at the time. And I wonder if you still stay in touch with any of the children that you grew up with while there. No, I, I know of no one. I've never wow. saw anyone. I, my life did take on a different, a sure. different world. I mean, you know, not everybody comes out being, you know, a dancer out of the orphanage. Right. That was something that the Mother Superior did not want me to be. She didn't want me to be a dancer. But I was just set, set on, you know, a Latina, we, we can... You know, we know how to dance. <laughs> right. So I, it was just something that was in my blood that I wanted to do. So um, so that I think that's why I went out on a, such a different path from everybody else that I, I have not seen or heard from anyone. Got it. And was there any exposure to art at all during the your days there? Um, during uh, the nuns, uh, Mother Superior brought in a, um, a, a dance teacher. 
from the High School okay. of Performing Arts. And she came once a month, you know, for like six months. But it, it only took one class for me to fall in love with dance. <laughs> for the spark I, to ignite in your heart, I'm sure, right? That's right. That's right. And, and also through dance, you know, you can um, have so many feelings when you dance. And it, and it, it, does, it does help you um, through life, I think. Have you ever used dance in moments in your life intentionally as a therapy to escape or to cope with something the way people put on a piece of music, for example, or the way, for example, I pick up my violin sometimes? Every day, every day. I know that I am my best. I am at my best when I am dancing, spiritually mentally, emotionally. I am at my best when um, I'm dancing. All I need to do is put on my dance clothes and I'm ready. That's really Beautiful. when I... And what kind of styles of music do you most like to dance to? Oh, you know, I love it all. Of course, you know, I love salsa, merengue, all that. Of course, my Latin music, you know, just fills my soul to no end. Um, but I love all types of music. Of course, I do a lot of Broadway. So I love every, you know, every Broadway show is just wonderful. Um, I love jazz. I love, uh, we do a lot of Broadway jazz in, in our, in my dance class where I teach. Um, and then you have to learn all types of music, your swing, uh, tap, a lot of tap, of course. So you, we got a lot of the rhythms and thank God I'm, you know, I'm Latina because the rhythms is what really helped me learn how to tap because I, I didn't have any tap lessons as a child. So, so the so rhythm, you, you, sorry, go ahead. So the rhythms are the one thing that helped me learn the tap uh, movements when I became a rocket. I see. Got it. Now I'm remembering a conversation around the fire here on spirit reflections that we had with Abigail Francisco. She's a Brazilian American ballet dancer for many years. That was her career. And then she opened a dance school in Virginia that she's had for over 20 years. And she was telling us about her journey and how her relationship to dance is extremely sacred and spiritual as well. And she's also a choreographer like yourself, which we're going to talk mm -hmm. about and how, seeing her children perform the choreographies that she would come up with and how she was inspired to do. What was one of the things that brought her most fulfillment and joy in her life still to wow. this day? Well, yeah, the, the dance is real. It does so much for you. It is so wonderful to express that. Listen, there's many times where I was on stage and, and my red soldier cheeks were falling off because of the tears running down my face. Oh, wow. But by the time I ended, you know, when you go on stage, you're not every the world is not always perfect, and you have right. that big smile, and and you're out there performing. But there are a lot of things that are going on inside of you, and therefore, when you finish that dance, it's like it's all it, it's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. Once I finish dancing on stage, I I I, I leave it all behind. Once you walk yeah. out on that stage, and you 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 leave everything else behind and it just becomes cathartic and, and yeah. spiritual and just wonderful and uplifting. And most likely it's probably one of the earliest forms of artistic expression in humanity's history and was much used, especially in religious rituals when people would go into trance states 
through the beating of the drums and the fire around the fire and the mantras and the chanting and the worshiping the gods and nature. And I wonder, I, I, to this day, when I listen to this type of music, as you know, Brazil is very rich with the African Brazilian rituals and spirituality. It is incredibly powerful for you to let, to just see how your body completely goes into a hypnotic state and you feel it in the rhythms that the, the drums are beating to. It's, it's Absolutely. quite remarkable. It, it, you, quite and there's no words. There are no words, so you don't have to say anything. You can feel everything, and it's it's healing. It's healing. It's very healing. Beautiful. Izzy Monsanto says, even if my own father and mother abandoned me, Jehovah himself will take me in from Psalms 27. Thank you for that, Izzy. That's right. Beautiful. That's right, Izzy. Beautiful. Yes. So you go to the High School of Performing Arts. How was that experience like? That was... Oh my God, that was so different from living in the orphanage. That's for sure. Imagine. You know, I saw people burning their bras and, and, and it was crazy. It was wild. Um, but um, it was a community that was so accepting and loving. And um, it didn't matter who you were or where you came from. Everybody was, was, uh, it was just a loving community. And, um, I would, you know, I, I had to leave the school immediately after, once the bell rang, because if I didn't get back onto the orphanage grounds by 3.45, I would not be able oh. to go to the school again. So I didn't have oh, much wow. time to hang out at the school Got at it. all, but um, I tried to take it all in every day. But then once that bell rang, I was out and into that train and back at the orphanage so that I would be able to come back next, the following day. And I mean, other than your math homework and your English homework, did you have a chance to like do dance homework or art homework at the orphanage? Uh, we didn't do dance homework, uh, just your regular academic homeworks. But uh, dance was totally in school. And I um, yeah, I didn't I didn't have much dance. So I had to really catch up because everybody Got else, it. you know, they go to that school. They start at five years old. That wasn't really in the cards for me. <laughs> I see, I see. Lily, uh, take us to back to the first performance at the High School of Performing Arts when you were on stage. Um, my first performance is, uh, <clears throat> I came, I ran into the school one day after lunch and Freddie Prince was, was my best friend in high school. And he said, Lily, look, there's, a, um, there's an audition for West Side Story at Lincoln Center and they want Puerto Ricans. And he goes, you're Puerto Rican. I went, I am. I didn't even know I was Puerto Rican. We didn't oh, have wow. any of that distinction in the orphanage. We were all just orphans. Oh, beautiful. So he says, meet me on Saturday. So we'll go to the audition. So I asked Mother Superior if I could go and she, she was okay with it. And I met him and I, I did, I ended up getting the job with Freddie Prince and we did performing, we did West Side Story at Lincoln Center. So wow. that was my first experience on the stage. So that's not a, a tiny little stage somewhere in the middle of nowhere. You just went straight to Lincoln Center, girl. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure Lenny Bernstein is smiling at this conversation right now from the other side of life as he's uh, seeing, feeling this. Uh, so um, what it was like when you were on that stage the first night uh, when you actually performed for a live audience versus the rehearsals? 
what an exhilarating feeling to be out there, to be singing and dancing. And it was at, you know, it was an open air, so it was beautiful nights. And it, to be out there and to feel the love of the audience was just, I had never felt that before. Yeah. That was amazing. So um, it, it was, I guess that's why I stuck with it all these years. <laughs> For sure. And I can imagine too, from my limited experience participating in, in musicals and in opera performances and things like that, the feeling of belonging that you get after a run through or after a season with those people, you really miss it afterwards. Oh, absolutely. Those people happen to be my family now. Yes, that's I what still, I was waiting for you to say. <laughs> I, um, I don't know if it's because we were all Puerto Ricans. I'm not really sure if that was the deal. But still today, um, we are still, they are my family. They have been so wonderful to me. And I've watched them. I learned how to be a Latina woman by watching them and what they have done in their lives. Um, we had some amazing talent in on that stage. And also when uh, I was, you know, I, I hung around with Freddie Prince a lot. And to see his struggle was so different from what we I experienced with my other girlfriends, my Latina mm -hmm. girlfriends. So um, to follow his career with him was really an eye opener that, you know, it doesn't, it's not all roses, not all I of see. it. Lily, for those of us that are not familiar with Freddie Prince, how, what would you tell about him here for our audiences? You know, uh, a little Puerto Rican guy, well, he wasn't so little, he was really tall, but uh, a little in his soul and his heart that he struggled so much to become the huge star that he was. He was unbelievable comedic talent. Um, he, he was with Chico and the man, he was Chico. And, um, and to follow him and see how he struggled, you see that fame is not all of that. Yeah. It's wonderful to have a career. We, we all look for the career to be the biggest stars that we can possibly be, how we can give back to the world with our talents. And he gave to the world with his talents, but it, was, uh, it wasn't easy. It Sometimes wasn't it's easy. a really high price to pay with the lack of privacy and all, the, all everything else that go, comes along with it, right? Exactly. Um, he, had, he had no privacy. And um, I don't think he realized what, um, what the top really was. He was only 22 when he left us. So he was still wow. very, very young. Um, wow. And thank God he left us the, his son, Freddie Prince Jr. So uh, with that, we're, we're happy to have him, of course, in this world. <laughs> That's part of his legacy and a part and to, of your family. Yeah. Right, and to continue his legacy, I I met the ba I met him as a baby, as a very oh, little wow. baby, um, and then I have never seen him again after that. Wow, and so we're seeing the Lily performing in Lincoln Center, West Side Story, dancing. How does choreographing start to appear in your life? Um, I think uh, once I um, I just. 
wanted to share my talents and to see and to be able to give opportunities to young Latina girls. For me, the Latina girls are my heart, but to give right. anyone who is disenfranchised, any child that comes from projects, you know, that doesn't right. that doesn't necessarily have the opportunities that um, other young girls would normally have. And even today, it's it's very difficult. You know, our dance classes when we were younger were three dollars and twenty five cents. Now they're twenty five dollars. So yeah. it's a career that's um, you have to have a lot of de dedication to it in order to be able to persevere. But I would love to share all of my talents and hope to bring other children along with them, with my my own my talents to share it with them so that they will be able to succeed in their careers as I have with my career. Beautiful. And and nowadays you teach uh, jazz in New York City, right? I do. I teach jazz every uh, every Tuesday and Thursday morning. And I and I tell you, every time I get up to put on my dance clothes, it does fill my heart. Um, it is the highlight of my week. Um, I, I love all of my dancers that I work with and, and they range from 20 to 75. And, um, and it's wonderful to see all of them dancing and it keeps me on my toes and it makes, helps me to realize how to treat people, how to talk to people, how to make sure, because you know, when I grew up and t teachers, some of them weren't so nice. And yeah. they, they're rough on you. Yeah. And I, I don't like to come from that point of view. I like to teach out of love and kindness. Yeah. And, um, and, and you have to be, you know, strong and on your toes and you have to be ready for any kind of uh, interaction with anybody. And I do it on a small scale so that when I get to the big scale, I'll be able to do it on that scale too. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's an argument to be had about this tradition in arts, music, opera, dance, singing, that the stern, authoritarian, extremely strict teacher is actually going to produce better results for their students. And the students will not uh, acknowledge that at the moment. They'll be extremely mad and rebellious sometimes. But in 20 years, they'll appreciate that teacher versus this more collaborative, receptive, more kind and, and spontaneous approach, which I think is much more apt to the 20, 21st century lifestyle and mindset, right? Yes, I, well, I, we still have all of that tough teaching as well. You see it in the, in the industry. Um, I, uh, I never liked when somebody hit me that hard when I was dancing because I was never able, you, you don't pick up the steps. You don't learn it any better when someone is yelling at you. you I, that's right. why I don't teach it that way. I teach it more with love and kindness. And I find that the dancers are able to pick it up much quicker and you get yeah. more better results, much better yeah. results by that rather than doing it the old fashioned way. And I'm curious, you've had to deal with a lot, or you, you've worked with, and I'm sure had to deal with a lot of big egos. And the stage being a bonfire of vanities, I'm sure you've had some interactions like that. I'm wondering, of course, without naming any names, if, if any particular interaction or experience comes to mind, when you really had to stand your ground and push back in order to assert yourself and not be told or, or talked down to. Um, 
you don't really talk back <laughs> when, um, and, and that's my Catholic upbringing. You know, I don't, um, I don't talk back. We, we, I learned not to talk back, but you do want to. And so I feel that the teaching for me is how do I control that within myself right. and not, and not um, get upset and still be able to be the best that I can be and show them no matter how. They yell, how much they yell at me and, and uh, don't like me, that I continue to hold my head up high. And um, God said, turn the other cheek. Did he not? Did so he did. I try, I try very hard to turn the other cheek. Um, the tears flow, even though out of anger. But um, I felt that it has served me well. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I guess I will continue to do it that way. Uh, when we did the shows in Spanish, we did the Radio City shows in Spanish, and I, um, it, there was pushback on that, a lot of pushback, because people did not want to do it in Spanish, but um, I tried to ignore all of that and not listen to that and keep moving forward in my own endeavors of how I felt inside, in my heart, that I knew I was doing the right thing. Beautiful. Yeah. The, to be able to take that anger in the moment, harness that power and be able to channel it in a direction that's going to be constructive and actually make you rise above it is just tremendously wise. And so to, to be able to remember that when next opportunity comes, I'm sure. Going with practice. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, yes, you do want to scream and you want to yell back and you want it, but you know that that's not, um, you know, this doesn't going to get. It's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. And that, totally. I, I learned that a lot through the orphanage and um, and many times when I was beaten, that um, and I did act out on it. That it didn't serve me well. <laughs> I only got beat more. So yeah. um, so I I learned after doing it both ways. I, I used to yell back. I thought, well, I'm going to get beat anyway. So what the heck? I'm just going to yell back and I'm just going right. to fight back. And then it, once I learned that I was going to get beat more, I thought, okay, maybe I shouldn't do it that way. <laughs> so it's all through, uh, through experiences. Got it. What's your sign, astrological sign? I'm uh, on the cusp of Virgo Libra. Oh, okay. So, mm -hmm. Nice. I'm a Virgo I I'm myself, so I, think I, I, I get where you're coming from many times. <laughs> I guess I'm more of a Libra. I try to balance things, but I am on the cusp of Virgo Libra. Beautiful. Tell me about how the genesis of your book started within you. How did the idea first come about and the process of writing it? Well, I never, um, I never thought I had a story. I wasn't like, oh, I have a story. I'm going to tell a story. Um, I never really told anybody about my story. I, nobody ever asked anyway. So I just did my, I just went about my life. But I thought once my Rockette career was over, not my dance career, but my Rockette career, um, I felt that I, where do I give back? How nice. do I give back to the world? And um, I came up with my story. And I thought, okay, I'll write it. So it took me 23 years to write because I never really faced anything that went on in the orphanage and or the domestic abuse when I got out of the orphanage. Um, so I decided to write it. That's why it took me 23 years to write it, because mm -hmm. 
through many tears and I put it down many times thinking that I wasn't going to be able to finish it. Um, wow. And a lot of my friends thought I wasn't going to finish it either. But um, um, it took me a long time. But I think this all this process by talking to you and talking to um, many people that I've, I've spoken to through Teacup and through other organizations, uh, through Forbes, uh, now mm -hmm. being a, a, a 50 over 50 Forbes woman, and talking about it has helped me to um, to really grab a hold of the story and be able to tell it, to be able to inspire someone else who is going through the same thing that I went through or similar. similar. Yeah. In, in many ways, I think your spiritual journey inward was those 23 years of cathartic, extremely hard therapy of writing your book, perhaps, right? Oh, yes, for sure, for sure. Um, so I mean, I never, um, I never spoke about it. My Rockhead girlfriends and my other Latina girlfriends, they were like, we never heard this story before. Why didn't you tell us? Um, it was just, I just realized that my story was so different from everyone that I thought, wow, this is, um, I guess I should tell it. And so, so that's and what I'm that, doing. That, that may be something to do too with the environment, New York City being a place where it attracts people from so many diverse backgrounds that when you do connect with people and, and you are friends, no matter how close you end up, you still seem to want to maintain some distance in order to have some commonality and not really open your heart and soul completely, right? Correct, correct. And and I do feel separated from that. I mean, the love that I feel, I feel through my daughter. I mean, I never, uh. I never realized what real love was. And I realize it now through her. And I would never, ever want anything to come between us. That love that she feels for me and I feel for her, I know is true love. I mean, I love my husband and he loves Beautiful. me. Of course, but, of course. But um, the love of a child, of a, of yeah. a pure family unit is, um, and I'm still learning how to be in, in a family unit. I still sometimes right. uh, uh, falter and all of that, but um, I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> well, in many ways, I think that you also have some kind of a clean slate from family upbringings where so many people have family traumas that they are reeling from in in one way you could look at it that you have a blank slate within you and you can just do it as your heart tells you without necessarily having to recreate inherited emotional traumatic patterns from your parents who were doing the best they can as a, as every parent does the best they can but still end up traumatizing their children inevitably right Absolutely. That was the one thing that I've learned later on in life. I was like, wow, you know, I didn't have, I molded myself. I made myself to who, by watching my Latina girlfriends, the ones that were smarter, the ones that were more talented, the ones, I saw all of that and I was able to mold myself into, into the human being that I am today without any judgment of a parent or, right. uh, you know, because you know how parents can be. Sometimes you're so fat, you're this, you're that, you know. And um, I realized that I didn't have to listen to all of that, which was which was a blessing in itself. So um, I, um, I, I 
picked a little bit from everybody that I saw. And I said, I want to be like that. And I want that. And I want this. And then I was able to mold my own career, my own life, my own humanity, my own soul into how um, I want it to be. Fantastic. A true New Yorker in, in many ways. <laughs> oh, yes. True New Yorker. <laughs> Lily, if you could give us a, a glimpse of a passage in your book that springs to your mind now that you recall describes a particularly challenging, painful moment that you recall writing it and you recall from your life and you could bring a little bit of that now to us, what would it be? I think the strength of my brother Abraham, how does somebody, how does somebody know, knowingly go to war, knowing they're not going to come back? Where does that courage come from? That's what I was so um, amazed by him, that um, that he can go. And I, we, I remember driving him to the airport to go to Vietnam. And he said, Lily, please, when you grow up, be strong. Be strong. And I was like, be strong. Okay. How, how much older was he? He was 10 years old. 10 years older. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I think wow. the courage that he he gave, that's what he gave me, was the courage to fight for my own life. He knew that I was going to have to fight. And um, that fight made me go, okay, I'm going to fight. Let's go. And that gave me the strength to move on in my own life. And he never came back from Vietnam? He never came back. Wow. He did you did you find out what happened or how he passed? Or was, was there any closure or...? Uh, um, closure, I, I did hear from a, a buddy of his who was over there, he had written a letter and um, he had um, he had saved five guys on the way. He had brought five guys home, but they the Viet Cong had got him at the, on the fifth one and oh, wow. um, and they chopped him up because that's what they did. Then they chopped him all up and his head came back. Um, to us, wow. and um, we weren't allowed to touch him in the coffin. It was all in glass and closed, and um, and that the, the close that was that was the closure. Just seeing him, knowing that that really was him in the in the uh, in the coffin. We wanted to make sure. I didn't want the coffin to be closed. Sure. I wanted to make sure that I saw him, and and that was the last time I saw him. Powerful. And wherever Abraham is now in the heavenly spheres in the spirit realm, we send you our big hug. And I'm sure oh, yes. <laughs> his loving presence is definitely in our midst. No doubt about that. In our midst. Yeah, for, that's the reason I dedicated the book to him because he gave me the courage to fight. And so therefore I had to give him that honor to to tell him this is this is what you did for me. I dedicate wow. this story to you. This is really inspiring. Guys, another shout out here. You have a chance to win a copy of Lily's book. All you have to do is fill out this form on spiritreflections.org and we'll randomly pick out a winner and we'll send you a copy of Lily's book to your home address. So make sure you don't miss that opportunity. Lily, I want to 
for us to uh, come to the uh, present day and for, for you to speak on some current and future projects that you're working on as, as you continue to build your legacy and leave this legacy behind to future generations, especially Latina women. Uh, what are some things that you want to share about that? Um, I would love to, you know, as a little girl, I saw, you know, Annie on Broadway and I thought, wow, that's, that's like it was in my life. Um, and I thought, we need a Latina Annie. We don't have a Latina Annie. <laughs> so um, I would love for uh, my story to help inspire um, any, any young girl or boy, you know, growing up mm -hmm. in this, um, that especially when you realize that you know, where I come from, you don't really believe that it could happen to you. Right. And um, it can happen to you. You're here because God put you here. Yeah. And he put you here through your parents, but he put you here. And therefore, because you are here, you count and you can succeed and you can have what you want. I hope to tell my story either in a featured film or a, a series or uh, of course my biggest dream is Broadway to tell it yeah. live on a stage where you can see that little girl when she, as she grew up to where she became that first Latina raquette and how you go from rags to sequins. <laughs> I don't know about riches, but to sequins. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, that you can shine, you can shine in this world just as good as anybody else. Amazing. Well said. And I can see the show on Broadway in my imagination already happening. Beautiful. Oh, good. With choreography by Lily Colon herself. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope in, I hope to open doors for more Latinas, for more children, for, for anybody. I hope to tell the story and be able to um, oh, have jobs for everybody. It's not easy to get a Broadway show. Not easy. Yeah. So no. if I can provide a Broadway show to be able to have other children, other choreographers and directors and and give opportunity as far as jobs to as well as for myself, of course, and, um, of course. and, and inspire and and give back to the world. Beautiful. Amazing. Love it. I want to do a quick round of um I say something and you respond back. Just okay. is like a fun little thing that whatever okay. pops up in your head, you just tell us about Lily. So a favorite city. New York City. <laughs> An author. Oh, um, Marianne Williamson. Yes, I love her too. <laughs> of course in Miracles, Return to Love. That's right. I love her. Beautiful. <laughs> A cuisine. Arroz con pollo. Arroz con pollo. Arroz con pollo. Chuletas. Mm. <laughs> Tostones. I'm getting hungry here. Mm. I'm getting hungry. Please stop. <laughs> A film. Oh, Camelot. Camelot. A piece of music. Esa bonita bandera. Andale. <laughs> Anything Latino style. <laughs> love it. Love it. Beach or mountains? Oh, beach. Oh, beach. Any yes. one in particular? 
uh, el Caribe, el, el San Juan. It's a San beautiful Juan. place. I've had a chance to visit. I love it. I love is. it. A composer. Uh, Cy Coleman. Cy Coleman. He's, Cy uh, Coleman. yeah, he, um, he, he did many shows through charity. He did West Side Story. He did, no, he, I don't know if he did West Side Story. But um, he was amazing. I did the life with him, and he was just amazing. But, um, of course, I love Michael Bublé. I love, yes. you know, those, yes, I love him. Um, uh, Tito Puente, Celia Cruz, <laughs> all of those guys. A woman. Ah. Uh, But, you know, I, you know, I love Chita Rivera. I, I love what she's done with her life. I, um, I love the Latino in her. And um, I, I just, she, she's inspired me throughout my whole life. A man. Mm, God. Oh, wow. God. God. He's taking me through this life. And so, therefore, I, I give it all up to him. Beautiful. Beautiful. And when I say the word Mary, like mother of God, what word comes to you? Holiness, uh, spiritual guidance. Um, as the mother of Jesus, what's better than that? Beautiful. Beautiful. Amazing. I love it. This is such a fun way to get to know other facets of our guests here. So I appreciate you playing along. <laughs> well, we're going to get, uh, we're getting close to wrapping up our conversations around the fire. I want to thank you once again, Lillian, for participating, for being here with us. And I am sure this conversation is going to reach hearts and minds in the future throughout the internet. And it's going to touch the people that need to be touched. And I really hope that your book becomes a Broadway show that I have a chance to see with my own eyes. Thank you. Thank you. I'd love to sing and dance Lily on Broadway. Thank you so much. Beautiful. I appreciate it. Beautiful. We're, we're going to close with our uh, closing vignette. Don't go anywhere yet. Once we get off the air, I'll just come back to the studio. Everybody, thank you for being here with us. Like I said again, if you haven't yet, please like and subscribe to Spirit Reflections on YouTube. It's free to do so. It really helps us a lot to grow. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you in the next episode Around the Fire. Bye. Thank you. God bless. Mm -hmm.